Our scripture reading this morning is found in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. It's page 896 in the Red Pew Bible. And I'm reading for the NI, from the NIV. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when, the, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Connections are, are difficult, especially in our modern times. It's not uncommon to see families sitting at a restaurant and everybody's looking at their phone and nobody's really connecting with each other. But did you know that God, more than anything, wants to make a connection with you? More than anything, God wants to have a relationship with you. And I'm not just talking about a bunch of words on a page. I'm talking about a real and genuine and intimate relationship with you. God wants that. And one of the ways in which God tells us that he wants that kind of relationship with us is to talk about his role as a shepherd and our role as sheep. We've just sung a bunch of songs this morning about being sheep and God or Jesus Christ being our shepherd, the good shepherd, he calls himself in John 10 verse 11. And this is one of the most frequently used images in the Bible to talk about how God wants to have a connection, a relationship with you. Just think about these passages as we introduce our study this morning. Psalm 23 verse 1 is very well known. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's interesting to think that God has promised to be a shepherd and if we'll just follow him and allow him to be our shepherd, all the things that we are in need of, he's promised to provide. Matthew 6 verse 33, the Lord's my shepherd. Again, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 95, verse 7, he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. That's the way the Israelites conceived of themselves. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep who follow the shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, speaking of God, it says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those that are with young describes God as being infinite in power and amazing in his ability and yet gentle and tender in his care for those who are the sheep of his pasture. You know, sometimes we don't think about what an ancient shepherd was or even a modern shepherd for that, that matter. We don't have a lot of sheep in this area. But being a shepherd had to do with being rugged and rough. It was not a job for somebody who was faint of heart because a shepherd was constantly watching over the sheep. Those sheep were somebody's bank account. 
In a day when you could not deposit money with the, with the Federal Reserve, you had to deposit all of your funds and all of your savings into these livestock. And so a shepherd's job, his role was to watch over and to guard and to provide for sheep that were under his care. And it was sometimes a deadly role because bears and lions and wolves would come in sometimes and it was the shepherd's job to drive them away. So these images of God being a shepherd, they ought to remind us of those kinds of things, not just the fact that he tenderly loves his sheep, although that's emphasized as well. In the New Testament, Jesus often used this image. He picks up those Old Testament ideas of God being our shepherd and Jesus speaks of himself in this role, in this sense. What do you think, he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99, go on the, uh, on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? God cares about you. God cares about you so much that even if everybody else, 99, were in his fold, if you were the only one that was astray, he would leave the 99 and go to find you. He cares. He wants to make that connection with you. Think about this in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he saw the multitudes, he had compassion for them. Jesus was able to feel with, he knew what was on the crowd's mind because they were harassed and helpless like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus knows what we need. He knows in the moment what we're in most need of. He has compassion on the sheep. Matthew 26, 31, Jesus says to his apostles right before he's arrested in the garden, he says, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So even the apostles, Peter, Andrew, and James, and John, and those, those men that were with Jesus were thought of by Jesus as sheep. They were to follow him and have a relationship with him, but he's the shepherd, make no make no uh, misunderstanding about it. Again, in Hebrews 13, verse 20, the Hebrews writer talks about Jesus this way. May God, the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. He's called the great shepherd of the sheep. And not only is he a great shepherd, he is in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 5, he is a chief shepherd. You were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And in Hebrew, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, excuse me, 1 Peter 5 verse 4, oh, it disappeared. In 1 Peter 5 verse 4, the Bible calls Jesus the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd, the one who is able to oversee even the overseers, even the elders among us. 1 Peter 5 verse 4. And finally we come to our text for this morning, John chapter 10 verse 11. I bring these passages to your attention because I want you to see and understand God wants a connection with you. God wants a relationship with you and maybe the best loved illustration of God's relationship with his people is that of us being the sheep and him being the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 10. We're gonna be looking at this passage in some detail this morning. In John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, he says it in, first, in John chapter 10, verse 14. He says it twice in this passage. I'm the good shepherd. Verse 11, verse 14. 
And I'd like for us just as we get started this morning to read this section. It was read a moment ago by Brother Curtis. Let's look at John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, and listen to what Jesus is saying. He's talking about his desire to have a relationship with you. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, verse 12, he, he who is not the shepherd, but one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I, Jesus says, am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring. And they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. It's important to note the context of this passage as Jesus talks about being a good shepherd. Jesus had healed a man who was born blind in John chapter 9. And that man had been grilled by the Pharisees. Who saved you? Who fixed you? Who helped you to see? And the man just kept pointing to Jesus and, well, what do you say about him? The Pharisees kept asking. And the, the man that was born blind said, look, all I know is I was blind and now I see. Why don't you go ask the man himself? And the Pharisees are livid that Jesus can do this miracle. They're really upset about this. And so in John chapter 9, verse 40, at the end of John chapter 9, the Pharisees said, are we blind also? And that's what leads into this discussion of being, Jesus being the good shepherd. I'm the one that is the leader of the sheep. I'm the one that tends the sheep. And my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And your problem, Pharisees, Jesus is saying, is that you're not listening to my voice and you're not following me. But here are some compelling reasons why you ought to. Here are some reasons why you Pharisees ought to listen to what I'm saying and you ought to believe in me. Here's the reason why you ought to be connecting with me and really listening to who I am. That's what John chapter 10 is doing. It's still talking about this, this event where the man that was born blind was able to see. In fact, if you look at John 10, verse 19, there was a division at John 10, 19, after he'd said all this about being a good shepherd. And many of them said he has a demon, he's mad. John 10, verse 20, why do you listen to him? And others said, verse 21, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You see that in verse 21? They're still in the same place where Jesus had caused that blind man to see. It's still the same group that he's talking to. And all this about Jesus being the good shepherd is an invitation. Why don't you come to me? Why don't you listen to me? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Why don't you? And this morning, Jesus would ask you the same question. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What's hindering you from following me? What's keeping you from listening to my voice and doing what I say? I'm the good shepherd. Listen to why you ought to follow me, Jesus says. Number one, you ought to follow him because of his commitment. The shepherd's great commitment to the sheep. Look at verse 11 through 13. I lay down my life, he says. That's the characteristic of being a good shepherd. 
A hireling will not do this. A hireling is somebody who just works for money. He just works for the income. And he says when the job gets dangerous, there's no job that's worth my life. I'm leaving. A wolf comes among the sheep. I'm leaving. I'm not staying. I will not care about the sheep. That's what a hireling does. And Jesus says, that's not me. I'm not a hireling. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the gratification of it. I'm doing this because I love and I care for the sheep. I lay down my life. Five times in this short passage, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Those are the verses there on the screen. Verse 11, 15, 17, and twice in verse 18, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now think about that image. Laying down one's life is a voluntary action. It's something that we do on purpose. The Congressional Medal of Honor is the highest distinction, the highest award that Congress can give to a soldier. More Congressional Medals of Honor have been given for one event than any other. You know what the one event is? When a soldier jumps on a live grenade. If somebody throws a live grenade toward some American soldiers, more Congressional Medals of Honor have been given for a soldier in the vicinity seeing that live grenade, jumping on top of it, and thereby sacrificing his life, but saving all of his comrades. More Medals of Honor have been given for that deed over and over and over again in various theaters of combat than any other. I lay down my life for the sheep. It's not just a grand gesture. It is giving it all for those that you care about. I lay down my life. And this indicates to us, brethren, that his death, Jesus' death, was going to be, in the first place, necessary. There is danger that the sheep face. We are lost in our sin. And when Jesus was in the garden, he prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what you will, my will, but what you will be done, your will be done. Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus knew that it was necessary for him to suffer and to die so that he could save us. Just like a soldier jumping onto a live grenade, everybody's in danger and Jesus is the only one in the position with the ability to help. He's that committed, I lay down my life. His death is not only necessary, but it's voluntary. Oftentimes in our prayers, we say, God, thank you for sending your son to sacrifice, to be a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible speaks about God the Father giving his son to the world. John chapter three, verse 16. It speaks about God giving his son as a sacrifice in our place. But this is important. It's not just that God gave his son as a sacrifice, but it's also that Jesus volunteered to be that sacrifice. You see, it's, it's wrong and it's cruel if Jesus is not willing, if he's not volunteering for this responsibility, for this role, it's wrong and it's cruel for God to just give his son and, and not worry about what the son feels or not worry about what the son thinks about all this, just to give him and say, okay, that's wrong. But Jesus was willing, and that's important. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm doing this because I love you, because I care about you. John chapter 19, verse 30, his last words from the cross, it is finished. And then the Bible says, he gave up his spirit. Isaiah 53, verse 12 speaks about how God has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He did what God sent him to do. It's a voluntary death. I volunteer because I care about you. It is a costly death. 
John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Jesus gave everything so that you and I could be saved. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, we're not redeemed with silver and gold. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ Jesus. What kind of shepherd is he? He is a fully committed shepherd. He cares about you so infinitely, so much that there is no price he would not be willing to pay. There is no cost too high and there is no suffering too great for him to say, nope, sorry, I'm not going to endure that for you, the sheep. He cares and he cares deeply. And I will tell you something this morning, there is nobody else who has ever loved you like that. Not your parents, not your spouse, not your kids, nobody. Nobody has ever loved you to the degree that Jesus does and in the way that Jesus does. And if there were no other reason for you to follow him than that, that ought to be enough. I lay down my life for the sheep and it's beneficial for the sheep. Look at what he says. I'm given this life that I have for you to benefit you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God manifests his love toward us. Christ died for me, Paul was able to say in Galatians 2 verse 20. The good shepherd cares about you. He's committed to you and he wants to connect with you more than anything else. Why not listen to his voice? Why not obey his commandments? He cares, he loves you. As you look at what Jesus says about being the good shepherd, look at verses 14 and 15. We notice in this passage, the shepherd's concern. Not only is he committed to the sheep, but he is concerned about the sheep. And it's amazing to think about how he expresses this. I know my sheep and I am known by my my own. The Father knows me, he says in verse 15, even so I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. God is all about connection. He's all about intimacy. He's all about closeness. He's all about relationship. Just as I and my Father are one and we have a connection and I know him and he knows me, I know my sheep and my sheep, they know me as well. What does Jesus know about us? He knows our names. He knows our names. Earlier in this passage in John chapter 10, verse three, he uses this illustration of being a shepherd and he uses an illustration that may be not familiar to us, but you know, in ancient times when shepherds would come in for the evening, they'd often go to a large holding pen and there would be other flocks of sheep and they would bring all the sheep into this one pen and maybe three, four, five, six flocks of sheep that are there and they would close the pen up for the night. How do you separate them in the morning? All sheep look the same to me. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I look at, when I look at a flock of sheep, they all look like the, like the others. How do you know which ones belong to you? The way it happened in ancient times was the shepherd would just call and the sheep would hear their shepherd's voice and they would know, that's my shepherd. And he's going out and so I'm gonna go with him. That's what John 10 verse three says. And he calls them by name. He named the sheep. I wonder what he gave names to the sheep, you know, the ancient shepherds. I wonder how they did that. Maybe on their physical characteristics or their personality traits, whatever it is, but he could call them by name. And maybe there's one sheep that he knows is just a little more stubborn than the rest, but he knows to call that one by name and that one will come too. Jesus knows your name. He knows my name. 
He knows what's unique about us. And he says, rejoice when you know that your names are written in the book of life, Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But not only does the good shepherd know our names, he knows our natures. He knows our personalities. He knows our hangups. He knows our faults. He knows the things that identify us and make us unique and make us different from everybody else. And we're living in a time when people like to point out the differences among ourselves. And we, we say over and over to each other, you could never understand my experience. You could never understand what I've been through. You've got no idea what it's like to be me. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he knows everything about us. He knows us intimately. It would be wise to say he knows us better than we even know ourselves. He cares about the sheep. 1 Peter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 10, speaks about God's intimate knowledge of everything about us. He's a good shepherd. Not only does he know our nature, he knows our needs. He knows just what we need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There was a little boy in a Bible class that was learning that passage for the first time and he sat down and the teacher said, would you, would you repeat your memory verse? And the little boy said, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. That's not a bad way to render that passage either. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. I just want him to be my leader, my shepherd. And the way Jesus leads us is out in front. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus never commands us to do anything that he himself was not first willing to do. He never goes anywhere that he tells us to go anywhere that he was not first willing to go. He never asks us to do anything that he himself was not first willing to lead in that area. Jesus is our shepherd. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil because because he knows just what we need. Psalm 23, verses four and five. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Look again at the passage and think about what it means and why we ought to consider following Jesus, the good shepherd. What about his vision? In verse 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring. They will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. It's important to remember the context I spelled out to you a few moments ago. He is talking to the Pharisees, Luke chapter nine, verse 40. He's talking to people that don't believe he's the Messiah. And not only is he saying, my sheep follow me, they hear my voice and they follow me. In other words, as you think about chapter 10 and that first part where there's a sheepfold and the thieves and the robbers come in the side doors, but the, the good shepherd, the door, he comes in and he speaks to the sheep and they follow him, they hear his voice. The idea is I'm speaking to the people of Israel, Jesus says, and those who are of me, they hear my voice and they follow me. That's why this man that's born blind believes that I am the Christ, but you don't believe because you're not of my sheep, you Pharisees. You could be, but you won't listen to me. You won't obey me. And so he's calling to the Jews and he's bringing them out of this, this sheepfold of the Jewish people and he's bringing them into a new flock, a new, a, a, a new group that he's, that he's creating. So he calls to the Jews and he identifies them and he says, come to me. Over and over, he makes those kinds of invitations. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He's asking his own countrymen. He's asking the Israelites, come, follow me. But then he speaks in verse 16 of the other sheep. 
What other sheep has he got in mind? He's talking about the Gentiles. This was his mission, not just to have a group of Jewish people who were following him and keeping his commandments, but to have both Jews and Gentiles reconciled to each other in one body. This was always God's plan. And as a shepherd, this is what Jesus said he was all about. I have other sheep who will also hear my voice. They will follow me too. They're gonna come after me as well. And his vision then is of a worldwide mission. There is no place, no country, no culture on this planet that Jesus is not interested in converting and saving. There is no place in this world that Jesus says, I don't need them to follow me. It's a worldwide mission and the goal and the vision brethren is of one flock. That's his word, not mine. What he desires is for there to be one flock, one group. Mark 16, 15 and 16, go preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. A worldwide mission. But not only that, it is a worldwide savior that Jesus provides. He is the good shepherd. There is nobody else who's done for us what Jesus has done. A worldwide savior, a worldwide mission. And this would have just grated on the Pharisees in the first century who heard of Jesus' words. They would hear him and if they understood what he was saying, this would have just infuriated them because it's it's something that we kind of want to do as people. We want to be exclusive. We want to be the only ones who have the answers. And Jesus says, whoever hears me, whoever follows my voice, whoever obeys me, I'll be the shepherd, you'll be my sheep. This is his vision for the world and for the church. His vision for unity, do not miss it, is based on God's word. If you look at verse 16, look at it very carefully. My sheep, hear my voice and follow me. It is important, it is essential for the sheep to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Why do we spend so much time opening the Bible and reading from its pages? Why do our Bible classes and sermons and our Bible studies have so much of the Bible in them? Because this is the voice of the shepherd speaking to us. And the only way we're ever going to have religious unity or unity of any kind in this world is by all sheep listening to the shepherd. Let's not listen to anybody else. Let's not listen to any other idea or doctrine or teaching. Let's just connect with the shepherd by hearing his voice and following him. That's how unity is going to be achieved. John 17, 20 through 22, Jesus prayed for unity. Father, I pray that all these who believe in me might be one. And that must be our plea and our desire and our goal as well. That all of us be one because there's one shepherd and he wants one flock. That's his desire. That's his vision. That's his goal. Incidentally, as I'm driving along here, I'm gonna pull the car over and park for just a second. I want you to think about this. Unity is important. Jesus talks about there being one flock and one shepherd, and that's important in verse 16, as we've just emphasized. I'm talking about connecting with the Lord here. Connecting means that there's real communication going on. If you wanted to connect with other people, you'd have to genuinely communicate to them. Genuinely communicate. I'm not talking about just saying a few words and hoping that they catch them. I'm talking about sitting down, looking in someone's eyes and talking to them. You'd have to communicate with them. You know, sometimes when it comes to hearing the voice of the shepherd, look at verse 16 again. 
they, they hear my voice and there'll be one flock. Sometimes when it comes to communicating with the shepherd, we don't take time to hear his voice. I'm talking about sitting down and opening your Bible or opening your Bible app on your phone or device or whatever it is and praying a prayer and saying, God, I want to hear the voice of the shepherd. I wanna hear the voice of the one who guides me and leads me. And spending time just reading from the text for ourselves what the shepherd is saying to us. That's an important discipline in our lives. If these kinds of events, worship services and Bible classes, if these are the only time that you're ever really hearing, if you ever hear at all, the voice of the shepherd, you're not listening and you're not connecting. Connecting with the voice of the shepherd has to do with hearing him, listening to him. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Are you a sheep or not? Is he your shepherd or not? His vision is one flock, one savior, but his vision is also personal to you as well. All right, pulling the car back on the road now. The shepherd's power. Look at verses 17 and 18. I lay down my life, but then he says, I have power to take it up again. And that's fascinating to me because most of the passages in the New Testament that talk about the resurrection of Jesus talk about God raising Jesus from the dead. In fact, over and over, that is what the Bible teaches about how Jesus came back from the dead, that God raised him up. Acts 2 verse 32, this Jesus whom you crucified, God raised him up and has exalted him. Romans chapter six, verse four, talking about baptism says, even as Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Father, even so you also should walk in newness of life. You could be raised from the dead as well by the power of God. And so most of the New Testament talks about how God did this for Jesus, God raised him up. But in John 10, 17 and 18, Jesus makes this claim. And by the way, this is a claim to deity, one of many in the book of John. Jesus says, I lay down my life, I jump on the grenade, I go to the cross willingly, I lay down my life for you, and I can take my life up again. This is the commandment I've received from my Father. I lay down my life, I can take it up again. He speaks of the power to take his life again, to raise up. And there are implications when you think about this. There is nobody else who has ever died, ever, who could, in this sense, raise themselves from the dead. Jesus says, I have that power. Consider what that means for you and me. If we've got a shepherd who can do that, what does that mean for you and me? Well, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that he is one day going to raise us from the dead. Every time we ever have a funeral, every time we ever have a memorial service, we can say with confidence and conviction, we will see each other again on the morning of the resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, God will raise up the dead in Christ. They will rise first and we who are alive will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord, with the shepherd. He's gonna raise us up. He's got the power to do so. Not only that, he was raised, the Bible says, for our justification. Romans 4, 24 and 25. I can know I'm saved because the good shepherd is back. He rose from the dead on the third day. 
He's got that power to save me, to cleanse me, to justify me. He answers our accuser. Who is he who finds fault? It is Christ who died and was raised. Romans 8 verse 34. Anyone who brings an accusation, doesn't matter what people say, doesn't even matter what the devil says because it's Christ who died and was raised from the dead. And therefore, my justification and my salvation are secure in him. While I follow the voice of the good shepherd, Not only that, by his coming back from the dead, the Bible speaks about him demonstrating his ownership. He is Lord of all those who come to him. He rose from the dead for them, Romans 14, verse nine. He demonstrates his lordship, his ownership of us. When we think about what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd, it's important to read carefully in passages like this and listen to what Jesus is arguing. There are compelling reasons why you and I should follow him, should obey him, should come to him and sacrifice everything so that we can be the sheep of his pasture. There are compelling reasons. My question for you today is simply this. If you've never come to Jesus, the good shepherd, and if you've never identified with him, what's holding you back? What is there that's keeping you from following Jesus, the good shepherd? Because all he's requiring of us, all he's asking for us to do is to listen to his voice and to respond. You know what he says? Believe that I am the Christ, the Son of God. Repent of your sin. Confess my name. Confess that I am the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of your sin. That's listening to the voice of the shepherd. What's keeping you from doing that? If we can help you to do that this morning, or if we can help you to respond to God in some, in some way, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you, to study with you. Once you make your way down the aisle, while together we stand and while we sing.